and welcome back to Tech Talk. I'm Ken Mingus, Executive Editor of Computer World. I'm here today with Juliet Beauchamp and Android guru, J.R. Raphael, to talk about Android 2020 and the trends ahead. Uh, just a quick uh, reminder, if you're looking at us on YouTube, uh, we're streaming live on YouTube today and on the Computer World LinkedIn Live page. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you like what you see, and also please follow the uh, Computer World page so you can keep track of what we're up to. So, uh, JR, thanks for being back. Andrew hey, I'm delighted to be here for my foam-filled bunker deep under the sea. From your uh, <laughs> un undisclosed location, as I like to say. Um, always undisclosed, Always yes, undisclosed. very important. We don't want anybody yeah. to know where you are. Uh, no. Obviously, Android is always a hot topic for us. And, uh, you know, the last year, there's been a lot of things going on, uh, you know, in smartphones in general, in terms of design, form and function, things like that. And we kind of wanted to look ahead and, and maybe pick your brain for a few minutes about where you think things may be going, things to watch out for, both good and bad in terms of uh, Android and, and Android devices. Um, so, with that said, you know, obviously last year was a big year for things like foldables, or at least the, you know, the, the, the start of seeing foldable devices. Uh, any thoughts on uh, what we may be looking at this year? Well, it's an interesting time for sure, because for a long time, the hardware side of, of mobile stuff has kind of stagnated a little bit. You know, we, sure, the specs go up a little year by year, but we kind of reached a point where things were static, stable, phones were phones, and now finally, they're starting to get kind of crazy, uh, for, for better and, and for worse, depending on how you look at it. I think this year, for sure, we're going to start seeing more and more foldables taking off. Last year, we were just kind of testing the waters. A couple of companies came out with almost like concept phones, and no one really quite knew what would happen. And this year, more companies are definitely getting in on it. I mean, we know that for sure. The Motorola Razor is coming out in a matter of days. The revived Razor, we should say. Which, right. Know, hopefully not, hopefully not, revived. Not the one from 2008. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. I would like one of those. <laughs> I think I would get one. But yeah, it's the same kind of form, but instead of having, you know, the number pad on the bottom, it's just one big screen that, mm -hmm. that folds in half and you can get that satisfying snapshot when you're really mad with somebody <laughs> you're talking yeah. to. So I, I think for me, that's the first one, not that there have been many before, but the first one where there's just like a glimmer of hope for a reason for this to exist. Because with the ones we saw before that were more like kind of a awkward phone that folded out into an awkward tablet, it always struck me as a problem in search of a solution, or a solution in search of a problem, rather. There was no real reason. It didn't solve anything. It didn't bring anything of particular practical value into the occasion. With the Razer, at least, in that form, and Samsung is, is coming out with a similar device pretty soon thereafter, as expected. It's at least addressing some kind of need in the idea that people like to carry a phone that isn't enormous, can fit easily into an even small pocket, whatever kind of pants you might be wearing. And, uh, but then folds out into kind of more of like a typical smartphone size. Still a lot of questions. It's still not going to be advisable for most people. It's probably not going to be that durable. There are just a lot of compromises involved right now. But it's at least moving in a direction where we're seeing something that says, eh, maybe this could turn into something worthwhile at some point once the technology kind of catches up with the idea. Yeah, I do wonder, you know, given uh, how things rolled out in 2019 and the problems with these things, whether or not that kind of uh, clunky start might sort of set things back a bit this year. It may take a while for people to say, yeah, the technology's there and this is going to be a reliable device. It isn't going to break in half after six months, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. think it's totally warranted to be skeptical. I yeah. think you kind of have to be. Yeah. Motorola is already saying you should watch out and expect bumps and lumps, and you have to, whole other topic, but, and you have to be extra careful with how you handle the device. So they're kind of already mm -hmm. prepping people that this might not be the most. Uh, durable thing around. I think that's a pretty interesting idea, a, a sort of way to make this foldable smartphone. The Motorola Razor, Razor is the first foldable smartphone that I've thought, wow, that kind of makes 
sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's because we're all so used to that razor of yesteryear. I'm going to be interested to see once the Microsoft Duo rolls out later this year. I think I just have such a it difficult understanding of why it does it yeah, just I, seems like always access gets to me, to yeah, me. but the motorola razor for some reason i think it's just it, it might just be because it's nostalgic it just makes more sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'm really curious to see the duo also and uh, yeah coincidentally we hadn't talked about this yet but i'm actually working on a story for that now that'll be up on computer world tomorrow uh, microsoft just put out its full software development kit and so we're kind of getting a first look at some of the why and how because i was the same way it came out and it's kind of like okay this is interesting it's different but What's the point? How's it going to work? Are yeah. apps going to work with it? So with the software development kit, we're starting to see a little more and you can kind of get a glimpse of what they're envisioning. And I, I think that's going to be an interesting one. It's kind of a foldable. I guess it depends how you want to define it. The screen doesn't fold. There's a hinge in the middle. But in a way, yeah. that kind of addresses a lot of these issues and, and the, the drawbacks with the foldable screens with the technology not quite being there yet. So it should be interesting for sure. And I mean, Microsoft making an Android phone. <laughs> exactly. Thought, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good that's- point. You know, it's also interesting, too, talking about the screens. One of the things that's come up repeatedly the last couple of years, ever since uh, Apple came out with the uh, the notch, you know, this, this whole idea that, uh, and this goes back to form and function, are we getting to a place where, you know, there's the, those things are working at cross purposes with each other? You know, do we really need to have a full screen phone with no bezels and no notches and, you know, and uh, I'm curious, you know, what do you think we're going to be seeing this year? Are we going to see the end of the notch? Oh, no, I think we're going to see a lot more just different weird ones, different kinds. Like We already know we're seeing a lot of early leaks of phones that are going to have on the Android side, like the uh, little hole punch notch, as they call it, little, instead of, you know, the square or rectangles, more of like a circle on the side and just other things that, that really are total form at the expense of function where, you know, instead of having a little bit of a, a bezel, a little bit of a space around the display, God forbid, instead of that, you're going to have an actual space cut out of the screen that you look at, which is far more distracting. I find all that just to be silly and, and counterproductive. When I'm looking around, I look out in the real world and I see people using, you know, an iPhone or an Android phone with that giant big notch. I just, it's like, really? How is that not how is that still a thing? That seems like something that should have happened way back in the early days of smartphones and we should have evolved away from. But uh, yeah, it's definitely still going. Other silly gimmicks coming, uh, like a lot of Android device makers are moving to these in-screen fingerprint scanners that never work particularly well. They're slow, they're unreliable. They're just less good than the kind on the back, but it's funky, it's new, it's a headline thing that makes it look different. Uh, We're seeing a couple of device makers experimenting with putting the camera lens beneath the frame like where you don't actually see the camera module is underneath the glass, which, okay, I mean, maybe there's like some very minimal aesthetic benefit to that, but it, it, who knows what compromises are going to come. It's going to be a lot more cost associated with it. Uh, phone makers are experimenting with getting rid of ports and buttons. We're hearing about Apple doing that too. Yeah. Again, these kind of like almost user hostile changes that don't really give us anything good, but make things more expensive, make them different, make you say, oh, this phone looks cool compared to mine, so maybe I'll get it instead of hanging on to the perfectly good one I've got that I could keep for another two years. Not what they want, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see a portless phone in 2020? It's probably just a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen little hints of Android manufacturers and some of the China-based ones, devices we probably won't see in the U.S. already coming out with concept models of that. So I'd say it's more of a matter of when than if at this point, for sure. Yeah. And I wonder if someone... Just a phone manufacturer launching a portless phone will sort of push everyone firmly into wireless charging. 
I would think so. I, I think the infrastructure around wireless charging for devices is is definitely there now. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it it, it just will take someone to force you into it. The, just well, kind of like that you sounds know, like something Apple might. That's do. what I was going to say. It kind of just like yeah. Apple said, okay, well now you either have to have our headphones or wireless ones. Right. So and then everyone just did. So I wonder if that's what it's going to take to just make wireless charging completely widespread. If not this year, certainly within the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, we should probably pause and just remind people, if you're just tuning in, that we're talking with our Android expert, uh, J.R. Raphael, about Android and what we see as some of the trends coming up uh, in the next year or so. Uh, so with that said, uh, obviously the big thing this year is going to be 5G. It's you know finally arriving, whether it's going to be available for everyone the way it should be everywhere all the time, it's going to be here. Yeah, arriving in, in name, if not in much meaningful practice, at least for most of us. But it's kind of another marketing metric that doesn't mean much. It's going to sell phones. It's going to make phones more expensive. It's going to force you to upgrade your phone. But at this point, at least, the 5G availability here in the U.S. is so small scale. It's not in a lot of places. Even in the cities where it's in, the nature of the technology is really limited reach. It, it doesn't go across a whole city. It goes into a little neighborhood. There are a lot of things that can block the signal and make it difficult to get. And then just bit by bit, when we're seeing people test this and, and firms, companies, websites, publications do these tests, more often than not, we're seeing that it's largely not that much better than 4G in a lot of areas. Some people are even getting results where it's a little slower. Uh, so it has potential, but yeah, I don't know if this is the year it's going to mean much for us. So it'll definitely be the year where we're going to be hearing about it and trying to be sold on it quite a bit, for sure. Yeah, I believe that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just feel like I just do nothing other than talk about 5G, 5G. On, on, well, it is a hot on the YouTube channel. And it really is going to become widespread. And it's going to mean not, it's going to mean a lot, obviously, just, you know, for phone consumers, but it's also going to mean a lot for enterprises, enterprises. But we can get into that another time. Oh, yeah, sure. And then in that kind of small scale sense, it makes a lot more sense where an enterprise might have its own access exactly. points. And then that, yeah. Definitely a different story than for the, like the average consumer. I, I'm kind of worried too to see what the compromises are on that front because so far, mm -hmm. and it was the same when we first saw like LTE come out. The devices, of course, are going to be more expensive, but then they're also a little thicker. The battery life is worse. They they run kind of warm to the touch. Uh, some awkward workarounds that we've seen in the early devices to get the necessary antennas in place. So I'm sure it'll balance out for a, after a while. But in this initial transition period, those first devices may have some. Uh, kind of funky things to them that might not be great. Yeah, I'm feeling like 2020 is the year that we obviously see a lot more 5G Android phones, but 2021 is maybe when we're going to see it perfected into a way that's commonplace. And, you know, every phone's going to have 5G. Mm -hmm. It'll be like that's, that, that's you know, you got to have that just to get in the door mm -hmm. and 5G in terms of features. I do wonder, you know, with all of these features and changes and tweaks and new and, you know, new and improved and everything, as it pushes prices up, whether that's going to, there'll be sort of a rebound and the manufacturers will realize they need to get to more affordable levels of pricing for people because they're going to price people out of the market. No matter how new and shiny the phone is, if you can't afford it, it's not good. Yeah, it definitely seems to kind of be a dual pronged thing where we're seeing those devices going up. I mean, you look at the foldable front, like $2,000 range or just slightly below it. And I mean, it definitely gives the manufacturers a, a reason to sell an expensive phone and to sell something new. You know, we've kind of seen that trend for some years now of smartphone sales kind of slumping, people holding on to them longer, not a huge compelling reason to upgrade year after year. So now they've got one and a reason to make it more expensive. And same with 5G with the other funky form things we're seeing. But yeah, on the other hand, just like you were saying, on the Android front, for sure, we're seeing some device makers start to realize that there's this kind of appetite for phones that aren't $1,000 and up, that kind of mm -hmm. in that 
you know, maybe someone who doesn't want the $200 budget range, but also doesn't really need what you get from the $1,000 flagship in that mid-range, $400 to $700, $400 to $600-ish. Uh, Google saw, relatively speaking, a lot of success with this mid-range mid -range Pixel 3a last year. By all counts, did a lot better than its flagship phone at the same time. And so there are a lot of, there's a lot of anticipation for the Pixel 4a, supposed probably coming out in the next few months, early spring. Uh, Samsung has said it's going to do a Galaxy S Lite, Galaxy Note Lite, first time ever, kind of a mid-range model of those. Uh, OnePlus is expected to do a mid-range. So definitely a trend kind of, I guess it's like the counterbalance to all the high price phones, or maybe we'll see a little better mid-range options, which would be great. Sure seems like that would be uh, uh, a smart thing to do. We should probably pause and see if we've got any questions or comments uh, from people who are watching. We do. We have some questions and comments. Um, we were talking about foldables a little while ago, so somebody was asking about the view on foldable devices growth in 2020. Any other companies, any other types of foldables expected? Any thoughts mm -hmm. on growth in, in general, whether there's going to be more experimentation in, the, in, the, in terms of foldables, JR? Yeah, I think so for sure. I think it's just the early days. Uh, Samsung is expected to come out with a couple different models that, that we'll probably be hearing about sooner than later. I know there's one that's supposed to use a new kind of I think they're calling it ultra thin glass instead of a plastic display. So something like that is interesting and promising because a lot of the problems so far have been with the plastic nature of the display. It just it doesn't look good. It's it's not durable. So if if there is some kind of, I mean, it sounds physically impossible, but if they they have come up with the bold friendly glass that can actually work, if it's as good as it sounds, that could be something. And already I think we're seeing a lot of experimentation in the form, how it folds what direction, what it does. And, and then even you go to like, we were talking about the Microsoft Duo device, kind of taking it in a different direction, folding without needing that kind of technology. So I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things, maybe not advisable things, maybe some, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they won't it work, is, but they'll be kind of cool looking. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's kind of a cool year for gadgets from like a geeky perspective, but also a year to sure. sit back and watch probably more than jump out and buy everything, unless you just, you know, want to and don't mind kind of taking that early adopter route and, uh, taking the, the consequences that may come with it. Right. Yeah. Okay. And another person's asking about battery technology. Any upcoming new battery technology? Um, they mentioned lithium ion. I haven't seen a lot around new battery technology. It seems like we're at, in, at a stage of incremental, you know, improvements each year. That's what it seems, which is too bad, because that's the one thing that everyone who yes. owns a phone would actually like. But instead, yeah. you're going to get a, a notch or a screen that extends around the sides or a phone that folds. But yeah, I think everybody would much, much rather just have a phone that lasts twice as long. <laughs> it's, it's a weird kind of compromise there, too, because we could have that to a, a, a degree, but you'd have to have a really thick phone. And clearly, the companies have found those don't sell as well. They've, we've seen a few of those. Motorola used to make some of those, and everyone's just kind of slowly moved away from it because the thin phone is what sells. So hopefully one year. But yeah, I haven't seen I any indication. I wouldn't expect of, that this year, not in 2020. I'd be surprised. Yeah, haven't seen anything about that. Yep. And somebody's asking if he's heard if JR's heard anything about new Wi-Fi antenna, um, and, and the new upcoming Androids, like Wi-Fi mm -hmm. five or Wi-Fi six. Yeah, I mean, definitely support for that is being starting to come into products. I haven't seen anything that sounds particularly uh, groundbreaking in terms of the, the hardware or anything that's really going to change a whole lot. But I know on the on the software front uh, that kind of next-gen protocol support is definitely in the works and, and making its way into products for sure. Makes sense, yeah. 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 Cool. A couple more things, yeah. and I hope that our viewers bear with me as I try to decipher what <laughs> these questions are. Uh, someone asked about virtual screens. Is that 
Virtual screens. Virt- virtual screens. That I'm not familiar with. Yeah, virtual no. screens? No. I wonder I'm if they're talking sure I... about more AR, VR, like virtual reality and yeah, AR Yeah, that's devices. a good point. Oh, that's maybe. maybe what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, it could be. Uh, that's kind of one of those that's still trucking along as everyone's sort of starting to, trying to find a, an application for it and a way to work. I think so far we've seen more success kind of like in the manufacturing and, and very specific kind of industries, but not in any like mainstream sort of way. Uh, and I haven't heard of anything super new and exciting on that front, but I'm sure we'll see companies trying to find a place to, to make it catch on and trying to find a way to make it work yep. as we go on. It seems like they've been talking about AR and VR for a long it's time. Always, it's another yeah. one of those technologies in search of a solution, yeah. you know, of something to, yeah. to, to fix or solve. Yeah. It really does. It's cool, but how do you use it? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. using it in the real world. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have kind of just played around with some of it. It's, it's one of those very much, it's like, it's novel. It's cool for five minutes. And then you're like, okay, no. I have a headache. No, yeah. back to work. There's not really <laughs> a purpose for it. Yeah. yeah. What are those practical <laughs> applications? Yeah. 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 And uh, there's a comment here about uh, Bluetooth heads-up display while driving. Is that uh, something that's being talked about, researched? They're thinking they're talking about with their phones. So if they are driving um, some kind of display, so when they... Well, there are a lot of manuf- a lot of cars that do have heads-up displays. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, but a lot of that's not yet um, wireless. You know, it's 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 usually you have your phone plugged in, and if it's going to display something on the HUD on the sc- the screen, uh, it's usually the the device is plugged in rather than either Bluetooth or maybe even you know in-car Wi-Fi. Have you heard anything, Jr., about uh, Bluetooth sort of powered heads-up displays in cars? No, I'm not. Devices? I'm not familiar. With we don't really track the auto stuff that, as much. Yeah, I mean, Google's definitely always pushing forward Android Auto bit by bit. And every year at the gadget shows and at I.O., you'll see a little bit new coming up. And, uh, you know, lately they've been working with more car makers to try to integrate the technology directly in so that you're Mm -hmm. buying a car with it instead of just using the add-on. But uh, I haven't seen anything, like, especially eye-catching from there. And, again, like you said, it's not an area we follow super closely, but nothing's really caught my eye on the Mm -hmm. peripherals. Cool. Cool. Uh, One more question. It's more of a... Looking forward, what do you see AI as doing with smartphones? AI, go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's an easy topic to explain in 30 seconds or less. (laughs) Uh, Well, for for Google, I mean, the big thing is definitely assistant and machine learning. And and that's something that is always the focus. I mean, we've talked a lot uh, in videos and, and in stories about how for Google now, assistant is almost more important than anything else. It's kind of what I call the post OS era where Google cares more about what virtual assistant you're using, whether it's Google Assistant, Siri, what have you, in their mind, ideally Google Assistant, than what operating system you're using. Because that's kind of is their operating system now. And it can follow you from one device to another. It can be in your car, on your phone, on your computer, on your smart displays in your house or office. So I think we're only going to see more of Google pushing that forward. And you know, we hear little bits and pieces that like Google I.O. and some things that still haven't come out about its ability to make calls for you. The Pixel phones now have a pretty cool and actually pretty effective call screening functions where if you get a call from someone you don't know, or even if it's like a, a suspected spam call, you can automatically have this happen where assistant picks it up, talks to the person, gets the information, provides that to you, and then you can decide whether to accept it or not, or you can kind of ask for more information to have it be your in-between. So stuff like that is finally reaching the point where it has pretty cool real world useful productivity impact and uh at io this year which we just heard the date of it's going to be in may as usual i will definitely be hearing more that's when we'll hear a ton of new assistant stuff for sure cool 
That's really cool. I think it'll be interesting to see just how these mobile assistants become more and more important. They're getting better at actually picking up the information you need and putting it in a way you can use it. Yeah, I mean, I personally am just not, I mean, I am, crucify me, an iPhone user, (laughs) but um, I just don't really find myself using Siri that much. But what I do find myself using are it's I do appreciate when it's starting to learn my behavior and it's saying hey you're leaving work it's five minutes to the grocery store because I usually Mm -hmm. go and that sort of information is really helpful or getting into my car in the morning and it knows that I'm in my car it's 35 minutes the traffic is moderate that I do have really appreciated so I'm going to be interested to see just how that sort of matures over the course of the next year or so even though Again, sue me. I'm not I a Google Assistant do, you know, user. I do think it's interesting when you talk about voice as the new operating system because I've got a friend of mine who uh, is not technically proficient. You know, she just she gets lost using maps. She gets, you know can't use figure out how to do anything. She knows how to talk though, and she can say Siri, do this. Siri, do that. And it's interesting for people who may not. Ha- it, this voice thing may skip an entire generation of people who are not good at technology. But the voice will enable them, voice control will enable them to do things that they haven't been able to do before. She That's uses it all point. the time. And I just picked up on that listening to her talk to her phone one time. I'm like, she's getting this, but she's doing it with voice now in ways that she could never figure out how to do five years ago typing things in. That's such a good point. I mean, it just takes the, you don't have to teach yourself how to do anything. You can just ask Google Assistant to do something or Alexa or Siri. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that uh, plays out. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah, else? Yeah, I mean, it, oh, go ahead, JR. Oh, I'm just going to add in that it's increasingly everywhere. I mean, it yeah. obviously is up to you and how comfortable you feel with things. But if, you know, you throw a Google Home or whatever equivalent for whatever ecosystem you're using in your kitchen, in your living room, in your office, if you've got a Chromebook that has Assistant on at your phone, I mean, in your car, on your TV, you kind of just get in this habit of wherever you are, you expect you can call something out and it's going to hear you and give you the answer, which makes you look completely insane, at least like 14% of the time. <laughs> but when you are somewhere where it answers, I mean, it, it, it really does change the way you interact with technology, at least when it works, which like you guys said, it's, it's not perfect, but these things are getting bit by bit better at, uh, at understanding and interpreting your requests. Yeah. Sure. I should get a Google Assistant for my parents because I'm anytime I go home, I'm always the, the chief Googler. It'll be, hey, what's this? Julia, can you Google that? Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> get them. Nope. You, what they about talk, you? They can speak. They can do it. They can figure it out. <laughs> Great. Well, do we have anything else from the audience, Michelle? No, we're good. Awesome. I think Great. I'm good. Yeah, well, thank you JR, so much, JR. any final thoughts real quick before we let you go? That's it? Huh. Well, the, the big thing, the big question is Android 11, and that's one we don't know much about yet, but we will soon sure. because those preview releases typically now come out in the early spring. So that's something else to watch for. And uh, we've heard early indications that it might have virtual driver's license support, which won't mean a lot for most of us here in the U.S. yet because most states don't aren't really prepared for that, but kind of laying the groundwork and uh, other little bits and pieces. But, yeah, we'll have to see kind of what the big theme and big evolution from that is cool. soon. Cool. Thanks so much, JR. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Good yeah. to talk to you. And thank you all so much for watching this episode of Tech Talk, whether you're watching on YouTube or the Computer World LinkedIn. If you were watching on the Computer World LinkedIn, be sure to follow that and head over onto our YouTube channel, IDG Tech Talk. Give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. We've got new videos every, almost every day, all week. So be sure to check that out. Thanks so much for watching and we'll see you next time. Thanks, folks.